Welcome into the October 19th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. A bit of an update on the Jake Muzzin injury front and how the Leafs might approach this situation. Does Toronto need to make an addition to the blue line in the wake of this injury? We'll answer that one and some more hard-hitting questions as Dave and I are set to play some co-sign, no-sign on today's show as well. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you can also now check us up on video format up on YouTube. Just search up Locked On Leafs, hit subscribe, hit the little notification bell as well so you can get new videos directly to you each morning, Monday through Friday, all the Leafs content you could possibly want each and every morning at your fingertips. Uh, just make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On Leafs for all that info. David, what's going on, pal? It's it's an off day for the Maple Leafs. They did not skate at all on Tuesday. There was no practice. It was an off day after, you know, they earned the off day, of course, after oh, yeah. that uh, that hard-hitting victory against the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, that's right. They lost. That's right. That's right. But still got the off day regardless. Um, scheduled off day. I'm just playing. But uh, so there wasn't much to report in terms of what's going on new in Leafland. I'm sure tomorrow there potentially could end up being some some new lines that'll come out. Or I guess by the time people are listening to this, it's already Wednesday. So practice later today, there'll probably be some lines that'll come out. And I'm anticipating to see some differences. Sheldon Keefe alluded to it after the game and said, yeah, we haven't spoken about it as a group, but he said he would anticipate uh, making a couple of changes before we get into today's show, is there anything that you want to guess what moves are done to the lineup heading into the game against Dallas on Thursday? Nick Robertson in. Mm-hmm. Four. Uh, for, I would say, Malgan. Yeah, I think I that's, agree. I think Kerfoot gets a bump up the lineup. Ooh, so you think we get a full-on like, I think there's gonna be change. shuffle here. Yeah, I, I think they're, I think like you, you have to reward some players for doing well and other players for not doing well. I don't know where exactly they would put it, would be maybe they would move Nylander down. Well, although I don't like splitting up that second line just because they've been so good. Maybe they put Kerfoot on that second line, they put Robertson on the third line. I just think they're going to try something a little different because if he's saying they're contemplating changes. Just having Neil, uh, Robertson coming in wouldn't be sufficient enough, in my opinion. But we know that Sheldon Keefe might. He's uh, a lot of the times though he is married to the to the lines he has for a good part, and he wants to give them a chance to establish the rhythm. But when your rhythm, when the rhythm isn't going right, when it's off out of sync, change it up, change the tune. That's what yeah. I think we should consider. Yeah. 
Um, I think an, another thing, I, Victor Mete is going to end up getting into the lineup just because Jake Muzzin's injury is going to be a little bit longer term. Um, we'll give you an update on that in just a moment, but I think Mete gets into the lineup. He was called up uh, the other day. I think he'll make his debut for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Scarborough, or no, he's a Woodbridge native. So, Woodbridge, yeah. Woodbridge, yeah, from the bridge. So a hometown Italian cat getting an opportunity to come out and, uh, and play for the hometown Maple Leafs. So that'll be nice for him being able to do that um, at home, right, to make that in Scotiabank Arena, that debut. Uh, the other player I'm curious about, and I'm wondering, is if Wayne Simmons finds his way into the lineup. That's the guy I'm I'm curious. Like, I think Nick Robertson is a no-doubter. I think he's in, Mulligan's out. Um, Victor Mete will go in for Muzzin, who's injured. But is, is Wayne Simmons going to get a look, an opportunity in this game? That's what I'm wondering. You know, like, I, I think he's somebody who could go in and try and set the tone early bit of a wake up call in a way against the, against that team. The little bit more veteran, a little slower pace, which will be what Wayne Simmons is more likely, you know, to give you at this point in his career. And, you know, they play a heavy game. Wayne Simmons can do that. I wonder if he's somebody, because you look at last night, the shift chart, the fourth line got one shift in the third period, one shift, which leads me to say that, you know, Keith hasn't been, as happy with that fourth line as maybe he thought he would being a defensive specialist, you know, being hemmed in their own zone the entire time um, based on the fact that they're literally taking every single D zone face off draw. Uh, but potentially he sees an opportunity to get Simmons into a game and maybe one of Abe Kubel or, or um, Zach Gaston Reese end up coming out of the lineup for, for a night just to, to make that happen. So I could see a couple of changes here. Uh, and obviously Samsonov, I think we can all say, is, is probably going to start over Shalgrit also in that game, unless there's a last-minute, you know, uh, injury, a doctor. Nope. You're right. Let's not go there. Um, but there was uh, an injury that occurred in the game the other night. Jake Muzzin um, left with a neck injury, a neck strain. Uh, he did not return. They have not quite given it a designation yet, still just calling it a neck injury right now. But um, I was listening to Insider Trading earlier today, and it sounds as though um, the Leafs are going to be taking this with extreme caution, which I think they have to. The guy had, what, two concussions last year. This is another neck-slash-head injury, an injury above the shoulders, we can at least call it, and I think that's fair. you got to be cautious, uh, you know, uh, Mitch Marner had some comments post game yesterday, something to the effect of, you know, he's my best friend out there and, you know, he's got a wife and two kids. And at some point you, you got to think about, you know, the future. It's not all about hockey. And, you know, you do think about that for, for Jake Muzzin, not saying that this is, you know, anything that's going to cost him his career, but it is something that I think he needs to take into consideration that the Leafs are taking into consideration and they're going to be very cautious with this injury. Like that's three um, head slash neck injuries in the span of a calendar year, right? So that's not good. Um, and I, I don't expect for him to be in a Leafs uniform uh, in quite some time. Yeah, and I don't think the Leafs should be rushing him at all. Like no. it, it just looked really bad. Especially like when you saw the replay and you saw him down like that, you know. We knew that there was going to be that potential for this to be, you know, 
that was going to be always Muzzin's thing. It was, his play on the ice is, I mean, it wasn't great to start the year, but it's always the injury concern. And that's why some people thought it would have made sense for the Leafs to trade him while, you know, that well, was the, possibility. The, the no trade clause kind of hinders that, yeah. uh, that, that opportunity, yeah. but yes. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I like it sucks because the depth behind him isn't great, but Rasmus Sandin gets him a chance. Well, that's the thing. Like, who who's there more pressure on to kind of fill that role? In your opinion, is it Mark Giordano or Rasmus Sandin? Defensively, it's going to be Giordano. Like, we know that. I I think what they'll probably do is uh, like you know they might do Giordano, Mete, Sandin, Hall potentially, just because Sandin and Hall have played together. Or um, Geo Hall and have that be your like, you know, D zone pairing, like your shutdown pair. That could also be that could also work. Like there, and I think they did play with each other during preseason, so that would make that would also probably and in make, the playoffs a little bit last year too. Yeah, so I I think any combination of those would would work. Probably what you're saying with Geo just sliding him up, and then Sandy moves over to the left with Mete on the right. Mm-hmm. That's like, and then the, the Mete Sandine pairing will likely get sheltered a bit with a little more offensive zone draws, and this is where Riley and Brody will have to step up and play better defensively because I haven't been impressed with them in their own end. No, and and you know that's also a big problem, right? Like these these guys who you expect to be your stalwarts, your top pair. I know they're not necessarily your shutdown guys, and and Morgan Riley's never been known for being you know, a high-end defensive defenseman, but, you know, the, the guy's been on the ice for way too many goals, way too many goals uh, so far this season. So that certainly has to change uh, going forward for sure. Um, the question that I have for you is, like, if Muzzin's injury turns out to be long-term, do you think that Kyle Dubas has to go out and make an addition? Like, if, if he's out, now you're looking at a top four of, Riley Brody, Geo Hall, or Sandine Hall. Either way, Hall's in your top four. <laughs> and guys who you expected to be depth third pair guys. Yeah. I mean, are the Leafs going to have to make a move? Like, at least if, if he does end up on LTIR and he's out for a while, there's going to be cap space for them to make a move. But are they willing to to go there, do you think? Well, that's that's it, right? We, we thought it was going to happen last year to a degree with Muzzin being out, but they don't, they did make additions, but they weren't going out to get that like big fish just because Jake Muzzin's contract was coming back. And we thought maybe they would wait until the playoffs and all those things like that. That's, that's the big question. It will Kyle Dubas finally say, you know what? We're going to LTIR. We're going to think about your long-term health in terms of your quality of health. We're not going to think about having you back in the lineup. Like the risk is just too high. That's 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 a conversation that Dubis and Muzzin are going to have to have, and with the medical team too. But, but it's purely speculation based on Muzzin's status is what's going to determine determine all of it. And if he is out, let's say this is something that's going to be serious. Yeah, the Leafs are going to have to make a trade. You're going to have that cap space open up if that's going to be the case. You have to. If you take Jake Muzzin out of the equation, that's that makes your defense it, it, that doesn't scream contending defense. Yeah, blue line to me. Yeah, 
Agreed. So we'll see. I did hear Darren Dreger, um, you know, say that the Leafs are looking for a right-hand shot defenseman, probably of the top four quality. You know, I don't, you know, necessarily can't think of names off the top of my head that fit the mold that have been out there. You know, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, how many times have we talked about training for right shot defensemen, whether it's a, a Damon Severson or, you know, a, a Connor Murphy or, you know, you get Scott Mayfield. Like there's a bunch of guys out there that we've discussed uh, whether or not those trades actually come to fruition. Who knows? It's something that we'll definitely be tracking here on Locked on Leafs. Uh, we'll get to some cosign, no signs in just a moment. But first, Dave, let me tell you all about one of today's show sponsors, and that's betonline.net. It's your number one source for hockey betting this season. Find all your latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fast and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the NFL, MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. You can head to the BetOnline.net or use the mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. Uh, we're going to play a game here. If you're new to the show, appreciate you for giving us a chance. Hopefully you enjoyed it and you hit subscribe and join us each and every weekday for new content. Um, but we do this roughly once a week. Sometimes if it's a busy week, we won't be able to get to it, but with an off day in between, not much going on. This is the perfect time to get into one of our favorite bits. It's cosine, no sign, David. And for those who are new, the way it works, David and I are gonna make we're gonna make kind of we're gonna make a statement to each other. And if we agree with the statement, we're gonna co-sign it. If we disagree with it, we're gonna no sign it. So, David, why don't you go first? Hit me with one of your cosine no signs. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit punch right off in the beginning I'm not even going to hold back Toronto Maple Leafs trade for a right hand shot defenseman and his name is Damon Severson oh so I stole your thunder a little bit when I said that a moment ago eh? sorry pal I, you know what I was just like let's continue the dialogue a little bit let's not you know let's, let's not beat around the bush let's, oh absolutely I don't absolutely. like I will say this. I don't like naming specific players because that just means I'm guaranteed trying to guarantee like it's it's tough. But you look at the list of defensemen that are potentially available, and I will explain actually my position a little bit more. Damon Severson's a pending UFA. Mm -hmm. He does not figure into the New Jersey Devils future at all, in my opinion. And this is why I think he is the prime target for the Leafs. Um, so he's a $4.1 million cap hit. So it's something that if Muzzin were to end up on LTIR, something that they could fit into their structure. A big problem with making a trade, though, just you know, before we really get ahead of ourselves, I mean, if you put Muzzin on LTIR and he returns, now you're caught in a, and you use that cap space by going out and getting a guy. Now you're yeah. kind of caught here, right? So it's it's difficult to say that they're going to trade for somebody with such a large cap hit 
because it would really put this team in a bind. So I'm going to no sign it for now until I know exactly what the situation is with Cousin. If he ends up on LTIR and they kind of shut him down for the year just to be safe, so that you know there can't be any more contact and 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 you know blunt you know um, hits to the head or anything like that, then I would be more comfortable with with you know saying yes. I think a trade like that could happen. But until I know more information, which over the next couple of days, more information will come out. He did his tests. And uh, over the next couple of days, we'll find out what the medical staff have learned from those tests. Then I'll be able to give you a a better answer, I suppose. But for now, I guess I got to I got to no sign it. Um, And I don't even know if Damien Severson would really be like the guy who I'd want either, to be honest with you. So like that guy in particular also. There's a couple others that I feel like would be, you know, closer to the top of my list on uh, on my 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 want list, I suppose, for defensemen. So I'm gonna no sign Damon Severson. I was gonna say, would you like to divulge a specific name? Don't have to give me a whole list, but is there one? I've always been a big believer in 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 Connor Murphy, thinking that he'd be a great fit for this team. You know, like he's a shot suppressor. He you know is is a really good defensive defenseman. He's physical. He can go out there. He can lay the body. 6'4", 215. He's a big boy. You know, I've always liked him. And he's on a decent contract, 4.4, and there's four years left on it. So there's cost certainty. But again, it's not something that I think the Leafs can even entertain until they know exactly what's happening with, with Jake Muzzin and even Matt Murray to a, a certain extent as well. So until there's more clarity on the injury fronts and how long-term these things actually are, I don't think they can make a big splash. Maybe they can go out and acquire, you know, a Scott Mayfield, who I think is on the final year of his deal at like. He one. was another name I was considering as well. He's on yeah, the- just over a million dollars. I think maybe one point two or even one point oh five. I think potentially um, that would be something that could you could make in the short term and wouldn't be too difficult to um, shed salary to make that also kind of work. And I think he's a pretty solid like four. Like I think he's an upgrade on on Justin Hall for sure. So. <laughs> I, it's kind of hard not to see as anybody as an upgrade on Justin Hall in a way right now. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that may be like one of one of the players that you also look at as someone who you could add uh, without knowing the the long term injury situation, who's also cost effective and and you know fits into the cap structure. Um, all right, it's a good one though. It's 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 a good, good conversation that. I did want to have, so I'm glad that you had that one out there. Um, mine is this, is this is a tough one for me to say, David. It's a little tough for me to say. Cosign or no sign, Michael Bunting's rookie season was an aberration, and we'll see some regression here, and he will not reach the 50-point mark in what will be a bit of a sophomore slump. Oof, you are you are just throwing yourself out there. I just want to quickly check something here. Wait. I'm going to no sign it. And the reason why I'm going to no sign it is I think he will equal what he did last year. 60. I, was he at 64 points, 63 Well, points? I think even, even if he doesn't equal it, he's not going to be far off. He doesn't look great right now, but he still has two points in four games. Mm-hmm. Like It's not terrible considering the f- top line hasn't been great. I think there's opportunity if 
as long as Michael Bunting stays on that top line, I mean, does he stay on that top line? Like that's if he does, yes, he will get fifty points. Yeah. But if he doesn't, it's not a guarantee. The question here is, who are they putting on that top line to take out Bunting? Is it Kerfoot? I don't think so. Probably not. Nick Robertson. I don't think they'll do that either. I don't know if they're going to put Nick Robertson right in that mix. I think. Do they I think load up and put Willie up there? I think if they're really struggling, they'll do it. They'll give them one, a few more games. I don't think they they want to go with the knee jerk reaction of making a switch. It doesn't pan out. They broke them up. They broke them up in the third period, right of this last game. Now they just completely took out the blender, but. You know, Kerfoot played hard, and he played pretty well, and they actually yeah. got a lot going. Now, the re- the other two, Matthews and Marner, played way better in the third than they did in the second, so it's not really, a, a, you know, saying much because Michael Bunting can't do it himself. But, nope. you know, they did play pretty well with uh, with, with Alex Kerfoot there in the third period. They definitely had some good looks. But, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping it's a no sign as well because uh, I'm a big Michael Bunting fan. However... You know, it's funny that the conversation a week ago about bunting was, do you sign him like eight years? And and now, David, if there was a, I guess, cosign, no sign, I'm going to go to number two, kind of one A or one one B, question one B. If Michael Bunting's camp came to you right now and said, we'll sign eight years, three million per, you sign that? No. You co-signing that? No. I, I when I heard the eight years was something that was being discussed, I'm like, why? I mean, what? Zach Hyman left, and it only left because they couldn't afford to pay him, right? Yes, because he wouldn't bring his his number down. But if that number and Zach Hyman left for what five seven five is what he ended up taking in Edmonton on a seven year deal. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so like if Michael Bunting, who had sixty points last year, is Austin Matthews's like best friend. Which also you could factor into that whole situation about trying to bring Bunting back to Doomsday Clock. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, three million AAV for a top line left winger who helps stir the drink with your with your big boys. You don't think that's worth giving them? You know, I'm not ta- now. It's not the three. It's not the three million dollar AAV. It's the eight years. Yeah, but he's I- only. He's, but like at 26 years old. Eight years from now, he'll be what thirty four. It's not the worst. It wouldn't be. No, I will say this, just so I can play devil's advocate. To my point, we are seeing teams go hard on the term for deals. Like you look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning did. I just want to pull up their cap friendly. Yeah, percentage. but they signed like guys out of their like super young guys who are like 23, 22. Like they're signing these guys. Getting there, there's one name here I'm gonna bring up that doesn't fall. Nick Paul. Well, that's Nick Paul was the guy he signed seven years at like and that was the comparison comparable, the contract comparable that people were equating potentially signing Michael Bunting to. But here's the thing though, I I need to see more from Michael Bunting this season to kind of give me that like I'm gonna do that deal right now. Closer to the end of the year where you have a better idea. He's, he said he's okay with negotiating during the season. Like, he's fine with that. Mm. So you take your time. I don't think Michael Bunting's thinking about leaving. I really don't. So I don't think the Leafs should. Like, they're, no. like we're not hearing the. 
the chatter of him leaving is probably trying to push towards a deal being done. I don't think Michael Bunting, this is not like Zach Hyman where teams are going to be lining up to give Michael Bunting eight years. Why wouldn't he? If Michael Bunting puts up another 60-point season, why wouldn't they be lining up? To well, they, they probably will, but I just don't think Michael Bunting, he, he doesn't strike me as a player that will want to leave. Right. Neither did Zach Hyman. But then uh, he came through with a big money long term deal and he said, I gotta do what's best for me and my family. I gotta go with the cash. But we're talking we're talking about a five million dollar deal that he probably wanted from the lease. I don't think Michael Bunting's asking for five million dollars. And if he is, I I still I wouldn't give Michael Bunting five million dollars. No, neither would I. That's why I asked you if you give him three though. I would give him three for sure. If well, it's three, saying, on an eight-year term, would you give him three million a year on an eight-year term? That's the question. If that's, I'm I'm weary about it because eight-year term, that's that's you're locking yourself in like big time. The reason why Nick Paul, in my in my opinion, isn't a good comparable is because he's a center. He plays center. Bunting doesn't play center, mm. right? I I don't. If, if again, I wouldn't hate it if that's what it takes to get the cap hit down, because you don't necessarily have the forward prospects really to say that you got a young guy, that Michael Bunting, other than Matthew Nyes. Who else is there really that you're trying to make room for on the depth chart? Oh yeah, Nick Robertson, I guess would would be the guy, but yeah, past that, it's 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 pretty bleak when you look at top mm-hmm. end talent. I mean, someone could come through out of nowhere. Like, you get fourth, fifth round. I mean, Capri Like, Roland Amirov, if he ever gets back to where they believe he can be. Yep, Amirov is is a player that that definitely... By the way, really cool. I don't know if we mentioned... Did we mention that they brought him out? We mentioned the way that he was at the home open. That was nice. No. Yeah, that was nice. But, uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of, of high-end talent on the wings there. Mm-hmm. Really, any anywhere actually within the prospects, they've got some like good middle six guys and like some bottom four defensemen. But in terms of top end talent, I mean, for a team that doesn't pick in the first round a lot, and when they do, it's pretty late. Typically, you got to find diamonds in the rough, and haven't found it yet. They haven't found their you know Kirill Kaprizov in the fifth round. It just hasn't happened. It really hasn't. Bunting nine hundred fifty k out of free agency was pretty good. But uh, we'll see if he can keep her going. Last year was great. So far this year, I've been a little less impressed with his game so far. A little sloppy. I think he's doing trying to do a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, it, it, it turns around. All right, your next one. Next one for me. This is a league-wide one. This might give you an eyebrow raise. Oh, do but... we have the same one? No, no. I don't think the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be in the draft lottery conversation. So I don't think they're going to finish in the bottom five, like a lot of people have projected. So Isn't my, the draft my lottery the bottom 10 is in the draft lottery. The bottom yeah. 10? So I'm going to clarify. I don't think the Philadelphia Flyers will finish in the bottom five. So I think they're going to screw their chances a little bit by getting out of the top of the bottom five. So they beat the Tampa Bay lightning tonight. Um, we're lightning. recording this, you know, Tuesday night and they beat the Tampa Bay lightning. It was a three, two, yeah, they're right. undefeated so far, three and zero on the year. Maybe four and zero on three or four and zero on the year. Like John Pirelli has got that group playing pretty well, playing some pretty good hockey. I wasn't expecting it. 
I don't expect it to continue though. Like at some point, I think this team's going to kind of fall out of it, but I could see them maybe being like sixth or seventh. So when you say out of the conversation, like I don't think they're going to finish bottom five. Like I'm looking at the bottom five. They're going to be really bad. Yeah, I mean, like I think that they're probably better than they're better than Arizona. They're better than Chicago. They're better than Montreal. But then San there's Francisco. like they're over five to start the season. I think they are, but they were overseas and they had to come back. That's probably really tough for them. They probably don't even have their proper sleep schedules on check right now. Like Nashville's really struggled since coming back overseas as well. Um, but ultimately, you know, but but like San Jose, Philadelphia, like I think those are kind of two teams in a similar boat where it's like it could go south on them or they have enough talent where they can win some hockey games if things go right and they get the right bounces or if Carter Hart decides to play up to the standard he did in his rookie season then I think yeah I think this team could potentially not fight for a playoff spot but not be completely in the Bedard sweepstakes like we initially thought but because I was hearing some people saying this team is going to be absolute trash. And I've been saying that. I've been saying that they were this year's version of what the Blackhawks were last year. A team that went out, spent a lot of money, made some trades, made some signings, and misevaluated their team. And I thought that they were going to flame out and it was going to be a joke. They're not a great so team. So say that. But What's that? They're not a great team, but they have team players that are going to play up to... And they got a great coach, a coach that's going to bring the best out of out of that team, right? He's the one that does the most with the least, always has been. Um, but I'm I'm going to no sign it. I still think they'll be in the mix, like you know, bottom five. I don't know. I think they'll still be bottom seven, which to me, like five, seven, you're still in the mix there. So I'm 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 going to no sign it. Like if they finish anywhere from four to seven, won't be surprised. I think that's where their range is. Fourth to seventh worst in the league. Okay. So I'll notice that. Uh, all right. Last one from me here, David. Also going around the NHL. Speaking of the Philadelphia Flyers, one of their victories this year was against the Vancouver Canucks. It was a comeback victory. The Vancouver Canucks so far through four games this year are 0-3-1. They have led in each of those games and surrendered multi-goal leads in each of those games. They're the first team in NHL history to ever do this, to hold multi-goal leads in four of the first four games of the NHL season and lose them all. Bruce Boudreaux will not make it to Halloween as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Co-sign or no sign? I'm going to co-sign. I know they're, they're missing Tyler Myers right now. Like, Apparently, that's Tyler Myers ain't nothing. Yeah, like (laughs) Tyler Myers is. I I heard somebody say, "Well, they're missing Tyler Myers." I'm like, Canucks fans were happy that Tyler Myers wasn't playing. Yeah, like Tyler Myers is a four. Like he's a fourth defenseman. If if you're if the four on your team is like actually he is a top defenseman on that team. He is a top pair guy just because the blue line's not great, but like he's an ideal. Like he's a four defenseman like that's what he is just a a four Uh, that shouldn't be the deciding factor of winning and losing these games yeah like i i I just think that they they just have never really given bruce brujo the 
stamp of approval or the like confidence of like, yeah, he's our guy. We're going to like, they, they're not committing to this guy long-term. So I, I think the, with the way that, and it's unfortunate because I do like Bruce Boudreaux as a coach. I think he's had some bad luck over the past in his past few last few teams. Um, but yeah, no, I just don't think that I think the whole Bruce there it is. I think that was like a, you know, short term thing gave it a little bit of a boost at the end of last year with when the Canucks tried to make that playoff uh, push. But I just think that this team is flawed. But it's uh, all on the coach. But that's usually the person that kind of gets the first. He's the first to go, especially with a management team. Then, as I said before, never picked him in the first place. You're right. They didn't pick him, which I think is what could kind of go against him. Um, and you just, it's just so bizarre because it's a team that when Bruce Brujo came in, I think from there on out, they paid, played at like 115 point pace. Like they played at a playoff pace the rest of the way. Once he came in, um, potentially a division winning pace once he came into the fold and, to start off the year this way is, is just brutal. And after the loss that they had the other night against the Philadelphia Flyers, they legitimately had a uh, a players-only meeting. And then the following night, go out and lose to the the winless Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Again, giving up a 2-0 lead to start the game. They just can't finish for whatever reason. Not only did they lead 2-0, they also ended up regaining the lead. We're up 3-2 and then still ended up losing that game in overtime. So how you possibly let another multi-goal lead slip away after a players-only meeting three games into the season? Yeah, I think at some point there is going to be some difficult conversations to be had with Brucey Boudreaux. I mean, I hope not. I think he's one of the funniest coaches out there. He's always good for a quote, a clip. He's hilarious. We know that he's a massive Leafs fan, a massive Leafs fan. Um, but ultimately, I mean, this it's that's a market that expects a lot more of their team. And to be like to lose games in the fashion that they're losing. I don't know how much longer that fan base and that organization, knowing that it's also not going to cost them much money. Like they, he's a lame duck coach. Essentially he's, he's coaching in a contract year and it's not going well. I could easily see some sort of switch happening here with ease. So I, I'd also co-sign it that he's gone by Halloween. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. I love Brucey, but I, think that's the case do you have one more or did we finish him up yeah i have one more yeah the lease will make a trade before the end of november mm. so by that like american thanksgiving date that's always that's like the hockey date where yeah. you can finally evaluate things not game three or four of the season, which we tend to do here on this show <laughs> i'm giving uh, i'm pushing that deadline a little bit longer a little bit longer. Okay, so that they'll make a trade of any kind? Yep. Yeah, I think they'll make a trade. I mean, it doesn't have to be uh for like an a stat like a star player or like a top 4 guy or or a goal just any trade, even like a depth piece like a a sixth defenseman. Well, I I think a trade's going to happen because if when Matt Murray comes back, depending on what happens with Jake Muzzin, 
what are you doing with uh, Timothy? Oh, Logan? yeah. I mean, you may even need to make a trade between now and then just to get cap compliant. You're right. So it's not even like adding to the team. You might have to subtract from the team. I didn't even, I was even thinking of that. I was thinking of them acquiring somebody. We, we, yeah. The, the, right now, the Leafs are just like, yeah, cap space. This feels good. We can actually like call players up and have a yeah. full roster. I think, uh, I think there's, I don't see a player right, like whether it's Engvall, Hull, like, I don't see how the, the team doesn't think, you know what? Maybe we need a little bit of breathing room right now to have a better, mm-hmm. more, more options for the lineup rather than having a locked in lineup of the minimum skaters when Matt Murray comes back. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm going to co-sign it though, for a couple of reasons. I think they could add in the short term somebody, but also, you know, they kind of need to also make a deal by Thanksgiving, probably unless miraculously this team is healthy all year long, which I mean, they couldn't even stay healthy past game one for, for, for these guys. So right from get go, there's been some health issues. So uh, yeah, I think that there probably will be a trade no matter what. Um, So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll co-sign that one for sure. And also we need content. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, just for locked on Leafs specifically because we need content. Make a trade. Also, Make Kyle, trade. our phones are our phones are open. If you ever want to discuss stuff, yeah, I mean, locked on sends guys. Pierre Dorian came on their show. Why can't we get Kyle? We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that. We should send a, a note to their PR and be like, "Hey, uh, talk about working on things." You never told me the most ridiculous thing that the Leafs have done. I'm gonna pull up. I came. Somebody actually sent this to me and was saying, "Dave, what the hell's going? What are the Leafs doing?" What are you talking about? What is this sign? Yeah, their new kind of signage there, forever don't stop. Because, you know, like, hashtag lease forever. That seriously cannot be it. So I think, like, forever don't stop because they're going with, like, the lease forever mantra again. So it's like forever don't stop. How did we go from a team that had a pretty great slogan when I was growing up from the passion that unites us all to forever don't stop? That's a great point. It honestly is a great point. And the passion is like it's come back as like a meme with with our generation, I feel like the passion. And why don't they go back to that? Like, realistically, this forever, at least forever, forever don't stop. Like, it just really doesn't make any sense. Like, it sounds like a failed, it sounds like a failed, like, pop, pop single. Forever don't <laughs> stop. Legitimately. Yeah, that's exactly what that sounds like. Like, just a flop. Didn't even hit the Hot 100. Just an absolute flop. And that's what the Leafs have been so far early on in the season. So it's because of the slogan. I, I just think that it, it, I, I was like, my brain hurt trying to figure out what exactly you were trying to get with that. I didn't know what you were talking about at first. I was like, what did I not? Well, I brought do? this up. Yeah, you had no idea I was bringing this up. No. I wanted to catch you off guard. And I'm glad I did because it's ridiculous. I'm with you. I'm with you. Forever don't stop. I, I did see that like on opening day, I, the exact tweet you just saw pulled up by uh, David Alter. And I was like, the hell is this? <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> like, okay. Forever don't stop. Anyways, the Maple Leafs. Dumb off the ice, dumb on the ice. Why are we fans? Because we got passion that unites us all. Passion that unites us all, buddy. 
the passion. All right, let's uh, let's put a bow on this bad boy. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms to receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Leafs taking on the Dallas Stars. Part of the uh, It'll be the final game of that homestand here. Gotta get off to a much better. They gotta win that game. Gotta win that game, or they will be run out of town as they go off on their California road trip. So we will be back tomorrow to help tee up that game. Until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.